You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. That's right, welcome in Judd's Hockey Show, which is back in a weird sort of way, Declan Goff, because the hockey season is over, so it gives us a window of opportunity to talk about wild-related and hockey-related transactions that might be coming here soon. The Tampa Bay Lightning are a juggernaut, back-to-back Stanley Cup championships, Uh, they beat Montreal, what was it, 4-1 to one in their Stanley Cup final series. And you know what that series did again, Declan Goff? You know what it reminded us of? Manipulation because of salary cap? Oh, that too. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, which, which, by the way, closed the loophole. Yeah. The salary Dude, cap has the, to apply to the, the playoffs. Things How do you seen. not apply the salary cap to the oh, playoffs? Oh, God. Dude. Hey, once the playoffs hit, it's free game. Bring in anyone you want. Bring in re-sign Gretzky for all the National Hockey League cares. No, it reminds us of this, Declan Goff. Okay. Beware of rooting for the underdog story. Because the Montreal Canadiens, by the time they got to the finals, yeah. were not nearly as much fun as the Golden Knights might have been, for instance. Yeah. Like they I just agree. weren't. Yeah, right. They played really well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we probably saw the finals more with like Colorado Vegas. Yep. But I mean, Montreal was so spent, and they really weren't that good. Like it's a no. good story, but they they weren't that it good. It was Carey Price. That that series was not fun to watch, really. No. I mean it. You knew that going in. You know, I wanted my Isles to win it in Game Seven against Tampa, but Tampa's a juggernaut. Yeah. Um, and it would have been a lot more fun to see Vegas there. I think Wild fans would have been a lot more pissed off because now there's just vigorol and vinegar with the Vegas Golden Knights because uh, they are buying the referees. But, um, you know, hockey season's over. Now we got a full slate of well, we got actually more of a jam packed off season because it's shorter. But I mean, what, Judd? We're literally eight weeks from training camp. Or so, little give yeah. it, give it less, you know, a little, yeah. little more. Because we'll be back in uh, September, September right? with uh, with training camps, and then the regular season will start in early October, and it will be a go. All right, let's All right. let's get to the primary subject that's going to be triggered immediately now by the end of the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, that is the fact that the National Hockey League's first buyout window mm-hmm. opens twenty four hours after the Stanley Cup is awarded, which was obviously late last night and then closes at 4 p.m. on July 27th. And this is important because if you are watching Judd's Hockey Show right now, you can see this on the screen. This opens up the opportunity, which will, I would guess, start late tonight then and probably take off uh, tomorrow in the a.m. Yep. Um, And we are recording this on Thursday for a potential Zach Parisi buyout. Now, I think Bill Guerin has stated publicly and I don't think he's lying that buyouts are not something he subscribes to and or likes because it's basically you eat a contract and it can cause problems. And I get that. And you certainly don't want to make buyouts the the rule of your team. Like you don't want to be buying out guys left and right. That being said, Declan, and we, we can certainly get into the financial implications of this topic as well. Yeah. I don't see any way around buying out Parisi 
because I think a trade would be incredibly difficult to make because, I mean, I know that he came back and played okay and had, what, three goals and something like four points in the playoffs, but he was scratched for, what, the first three games, a healthy scratch in the playoffs. I don't know how much a team uh, a, a team is going to desire to trade for him. My guess is that desire would be very small, and I don't see any way that he can come back here and play with certainly the animosity that built up from him being a healthy scratch and, quite frankly, embarrassed in the playoffs. So unless I'm missing something here, I got to think a buyout is probably, it might not be the most palatable or best option, but it's the best option they both sides probably have. No, it is the best option. I literally think it's the best option. I, I don't think you can trade him um, without giving away a first-round pick as a sweetener without giving away something as in, hey, take this you know bad apple off our hands, if you will. Uh, if he retires early, the Wilds still get hit. I, I think, unfortunately, and I don't like buyouts either. You know, They did it with Mark Parrish. They did it with Thomas Vanek. It lingers for a long time. They did it with Matt Cook. There's been examples, Tyler Ennis, that it just, there's always been dead money against this team for basically the last 15 years. And this one would extend it through 2029, by the way, so we would be we would have a buyout on the books for the rest of this decade yep. if they bought out Zach Parisi. Yep. And I just think it's the most logical option to do. I, I know he came in and he scored, and he, and he had a little fire under his belly, whatever you want to call it. He scored some goals. I don't look at that series and think if Zach played in the first three games, it's any different than what the outcome was. Um, the way the NHL is trending, the way this team is trending, I don't see where Zach fits in. Like I don't know how you take away from that series and what the Wild accomplished in in the shortened fifty six game season, and say, well, I think Zach Parise fits into that. I don't. I, I I really don't. So I think a buyout is the most logical thing to do. Yeah, he's not getting quicker. Um, he is a guy who, and this is actually credit to him because of the way he has played. His career is breaking down, and the other thing for anyone who says, well look at how he came in in the playoffs and produced like you're talking about. The problem there is the brain trust, Bill Guerin, Everson scratched him as healthy for three games. So that's their statement. Like, it doesn't matter what we think. Uh-huh. We, we could be the biggest Parisi stands. I do love that word in the world and say, Oh, but look at what he did. Look at what he did. And they're going to say, yeah, but we scratched him and they scratched him because they didn't think that he fit. And so bringing him back to me is not an option because what's going to happen? You're going to bring him back. You're going to scratch him more. The the animosity that builds up is going to actually increase if that's possible. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, Zach is still a guy in that locker room who is popular with a lot of players. So the more you scratch him, the more they're going to look sideways at things. And I'm sure he's not going to just shut up and not say a word about it internally. So, number one, to me, you can't bring him back. Mm-hmm. You just can't. And and once they decided to scratch him for the playoffs, that genie out of the bottle. So that's done. Option two would be a trade, but who's going to take on the contract? Like, no one's going to take that contract, right? Right. And so, like, you could say, well... We'll um we'll we'll give him to you basically, and a team is going to say you're okay. We'll take him, and then you're going to pay a bunch of the contract, and you're going to be like, well, we don't want to do that. So yeah, the buyout, which by the way, uh, the report that I found here mm-hmm. uh, says the Wild can enjoy a five point two million dollars savings next season before 
Parisi's cap hit jumps up again for each of the next three years due to the nature of yeah. his back diving deal, which was what eight hundred thirty three thousand is that yeah, correct so, on a yearly basis? So essentially, you'll save a, a, the bulk of the money this summer. You'd save five point two. The next year, it's one point six, and then the next uh, is my math here. Next six years of that deal, mm-hmm. you're, you're saving chump change. Um, it, it there, there's a little negative penalty towards the last three years, but it's like eight hundred thousand. It, it's not. Something that, I mean, over time, yeah, if you add it all up, you know, 800 times five is, you know, that's that's a few million bucks. But mostly it's, it, I think it makes the most sense that of paying him seven million. So, yeah, so I, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it makes a ton of sense. And the Wild is now entering a window as well, which I think started to open up in 2020, 21. But the Wild now has expectations as well. So, like, you can't afford anything that potentially derails those expectations. And if Zach Parisi is not part of the expectations, which I don't believe that he is, Dex, from a management standpoint, it's not like you, you can afford to have him be a bad apple and unhappy on this team. You've got too many young players. You've come way too far. Like, you think about how Bill Garrett's changed things, right? Which has been a big part of this platform. Yes, so you can't just have Zach and be there and be unhappy and be disgruntled and be like, well, that's okay for now. There's not one day of the 2021-22 season, in my opinion, that you can afford to have a, uh, a former star player be as unhappy as Parisi would be because they don't want to pay the price of a buyout. If if you have trust in what Bill Guerin is building here and what he's what he's built so far, um, and this is really the the biggest offseason of his tenure so far, and, and he's done a pretty damn good job, in my opinion. And then you're upset that he moves on from Zach Parisi. Well, I, I have a pretty good trust in what he wants to do here. I'm not trying to say he won't be at fault and he'll make a dumb decision here and there because no executive or head coach is perfect. But I, I, I have a lot of trust in what is being built here. And if he believes Zach Parisi, that this team is better without Zach Parisi, then I, I'm going to default to him. Even I mean, now you and I love to rip people that are are smarter than us and better than us that are more athletic than we'll ever even dream of, and that's the beauty of what you and I get to do every day. But I have a lot of trust in what he's building here, and if and if you have if you're irked by the fact that they're moving on from a 36 year old guy who's clearly past his prime, Mm -hmm. clearly an albatross on you building something special, Mm -hmm. and is going to be a problem with him complaining in the room, well. Like, what, what are you really arguing for? What, what do you argue that because he's Minnesota and he's Zach Parisi and he's number 11? Is well, that you think it? He can still be Zach Parisi, which and he, he can't. can't be. He can't. You know, Ryan Suter's game hasn't fallen off a cliff yet. Ryan Suter's game could fall on a cliff, could start this season. We don't know. I don't think it will, but it could. Um, this team is so much better off without him. And what we saw in the shortened 56 games, I don't know how you can come to the conclusion that where Zach then fits into it. I, I don't I don't see how that works out to me. And Bill Guerin keeping Zach would fly in the face of everything Bill Guerin has done. Everything. Because he is, again, he has worked incredibly hard to do what Paul Fenton started, which is pick the roster apart because the roster, it's not that they were bad human beings and it's not that they weren't good players, but as a whole, it didn't work. The puzzle, The puzzle never fit together. And to take the next step, which I think the Wild is in the process right now of doing. Like, I like where they're going. I like them. Um, but to take that next step, you can't have a guy who's going to sit in the corner of 
the yeah. locker room, who was once great. And look, it's flat out going to cause a division. It's going to cause, if you bring him back, there's going to be the faction of the team, right? That's like, we love Zach. Why is Zach not playing? And Zach's going to talk to them. And then there's going to be the faction of, oh, my God, move on. So, yeah, I think the buyout is really, unless there's something that I'm missing here from a trade standpoint, I don't think I am. The buyout is the only realistic option. Yule Erickson Eck, my man. Yule Erickson Eck. I have been surprised that this actually got as much attention from a negative standpoint. Not attention, but the negative attention it got. Uh, last Friday, as we began the 4th of July weekend, signs an eight-year, which which thanks to the Parisian suitor contracts, is now the max yeah. is now the max contract that you can sign to go back to your team. Uh, he, he was a restricted free agent. Erickson Eck, eight years. $42 million. Your thoughts? Okay, well, first off, I, I do understand the vigor of a max deal for Joel Erickson Eck, just from the standpoint of when you think max deal, and when, I, when I'm saying max deal, I'm, I'm thinking max of the, of the term, how long is he being signed for? It's, it's a hard case to make. There are not many players you would sign to eight-year max deals. Joel Erickson Eck does not strike me as the guy who I would first think of to sign a max deal. So I, I do understand that cause for concern. The thing is, is he has a very affordable cap hit, in my opinion, of 5.2. If this was 6 or 7, I'm gonna, I would have pushback. There is no movement clause built in, and I believe there is one like in year 4, at least a limited one, Michael Russo reported. So th- there is a possible stipulation for a no movement, or at least a limited one in like year no 4 trade. of the, no trade yeah. of, this, of this contract. Yes. I could understand like if, it was, has now. Yes. if it was an ironclad, Zuccarello, no movement. Oh, yeah. I would be pissed. Agreed. I'd be a lot more upset. Agreed on that. Complete no move. Um, but he blossomed last year. He finally got rewarded for a lot more goals. You know, you asked me in the preseason what player finally starts waking up and scoring more goals, and I said it's going to be Joel Erickson Eck just because he's in front of the net a lot more. He does a lot of good things, and he's going to get rewarded. Hockey's one of those sports where if you do all these little things right, eventually the breaks start going for you. Um, and he scored 19 goals last season. He shot the puck more than he ever did. Uh, yeah, shooting percentage was a little high, but he plays all facets of the game. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of people who believe he can still be like a top line center. I don't buy that. Um, I think he's a very good player. What that line did with Greenway and Felino was a very uh, efficient and productive and needed line um, for any deep hockey team. I think in general, he still slides in as best case scenario as the second line center on a good team. And he's more likely a, a very good third line center on any team. Um, and if you're going to get basically and you know over 82 game pace he was he was damn near a 30 goal scorer well that's it like that i mean that that is the that's the ceiling of him um and and there could be some regression there i i understand but in general he finally woke up and we kind of i think finally realized all oh, the the Brock Besser comparison this isn't as bad as we thought it was going to be yep you know that i, I unfortunately I, I said to you numerous times on po- previous podcasts that we're going to be linking those two probably forever and I think we'll probably have those two in a similar conversation for the durations of their NHL careers. But that that missed pick or that misevaluation, if you will, from the 2015 draft doesn't look as glaring if you're getting this version of Joel Erickson X. So I, I think the contract is fine. Um, sent, look, we're trying to find another one, and you have one here in Joel Erickson X, and I, I think it was the right deal to make. I agree completely. And I, I actually, so the term did surprise me at first. Like the the biggest thing for me to digest was not the financial 
figure, but it was the term. Because eight years is the max, and you're like, oh, my God, that's a max contract. You know, uh, it, it's a max contract in, in uh, terms of the length of the deal. But think about it this way, okay? It's actually a fairly genius structure from the Wilds people in this. Yes, it's eight years. But one, he plays a premium position. Centers are very hard to find. Very hard to find. The Wild is a uh, knows this well. They're trying right now to find more of them. So I'm with you. I think he can be a second-line guy. He plays a premium position. And here's where the contract, to me, makes the most sense. The cap hit per year, $5.25 million, okay? Keep in mind, the cap for a while now, despite the fact this league has a new TV deal with two U.S. partners, this is something I'm confusing I, me a little bit. Yeah. The cap is going to remain, because of the pandemic, this is the sorriest excuse to do it, it's going to remain flat for quite a few years, right? No, I, I think, uh, Judd, I think it's just for the next two seasons. Okay, for two years. For two years. But then, but the point is, they've got a new TV deal now, so they could have, they, yeah. it could have gone up next I, year I a little bit. But it, long story short, $5.25 million across the board. If Eck is a, as effective as we think he can be, and by the way, his goal scoring can go down. He's a 200-foot player. He needs to improve himself in the face-off circle. I will say that. But just as far as what he brings, as far as being a nuisance, right? Te- teams hate him, which is outstanding. Um, he plays a full ice 200 foot game he reminds you in some ways as far as the responsibilities that he picks up of Koivu who by the way in his prime to be clear was damn good yes um in fact I don't think Ek is as good as Koivu which I think you said a couple days ago but I do think he's a good player but anyway if there's regression in goals and points potentially that doesn't mean he's become a bad player I like the cost certainty here because of the position if he was a left wing or something I might say, eh, it's, um, that might be a little dicey. But I think Joel Erickson Eck for quite a while here is going to be an effective player. And it's not like he's breaking your bank. So I would say don't be as focused on the term, the eight years, as the financial figure, which is pretty damn fair here. And I think that this is a good investment for a guy who, unless he gets hurt, for probably the next five years or so, you're pretty certain of what you're going to get effort-wise. Mm-hmm. You're pretty certain of what he's going to be. And you know what? If he scores, great. But but keep in mind, too, for a long time now, he's going to be the guy that you use against the McKinnons, the McDavids, and far more important than his point total is their point total yeah. against you. So I like this move. Yeah, me too. And look, he's diet, Miko. Um, there's similarities in their games. They both play 200 feet. They both... Um, can play penalty kill. I know Joel Oxenak didn't play a ton of the power play, but he started to play more last year. I expect him to play more in the power play this season. Three. I think Miko in his prime is a more, and just in kind of in general for the most part, was a more naturally gifted player than Joel Eriksson-Eck, just in terms of the puck, just in terms of creating offense. He was more naturally gifted than Joel Eriksson-Eck. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people, there's a misconception that Miko, because he was a defensive first forward, was, be, was he was extremely limited offensive. That was not true. Um, I think the end was ugly. The end was bad. You're right. You're right. His prime. His prime. He's good. 2008 to 2014, 15. You're right. He was a damn good center and had the ability. Angry Miko, as as he was coined, could take over a game. You noticed that 
I don't know if Joel Erickson-Eck will get to that level and that mindset necessarily. Mindset, yes. Actually, skill, I don't know. But you need a player like this, and if he can develop a little bit more and start scoring more goals and putting himself in good position, yeah, I, I think he's a damn good center. And he's a, he was a fourth place in Selkie voting last year. Um, you know, if you just look at... He could win a Selkie. He could win a Selkie. I mean, if, if you just look at previous Selkie winners, you know, Barkov, Cordier, O'Reilly, Kopitar, Bergeron, Anzi, Kopitar, like, I don't know if he's going to be able to be that damn good because those players are, you could make a case, are some of the best centers in, at their position, but he can be one step below them. And yes, I can see him winning a Selkie. He, he's a good player and they locked him up and I think it was the right thing to do. Nick Bukestead back on a one-year $900,000 deal. Yeah. I saw a little bit of pushback on this one. I, I'm, You know what? He can play some center. He can play some wing. I certainly don't love him, but for this salary, I think it's absolutely fine. And you know what? He So I think that Dino, to start last year, expected a little too much from Bukestad, and he was probably given opportunities that he wasn't going to thrive at. But I thought by the end, that he was doing a pretty good job in the role that he was asked to play. I think this is the type of role player that you need, mm-hmm. and he's not going to be a standout. I don't expect it. But as far as a bottom six guy goes, I don't think he's going to kill you. I think it's no, just fine. You you can't, honestly, this like, drives me nuts. Do you think you're going to get stars here, or what's the you can't what's the get up, You can't get upset at a guy signing a $900,000 contract, like especially one year. Uh, it it. If you're if you're pulling your hair out over re-signing a guy because you're seeing oh he had like 17 points and he was basically an interchangeable bottom six guy like you said Dino tried him out as like the front line top line center yeah, on opening which night was a mistake. and which was a mistake from the get go yes um he's a versatile bottom six dude he started blocking more shots I think he knows who he's going to be the guy mm-hmm. who, who he was out of the U of M in those first couple years in Florida where he was scoring a lot injuries piled up and also I just and I don't mean to rip him for this, and I've heard this from other people, from the U and from other hockey smart guys, that I just don't think he wants to be the best. And I don't mean that in a poor way, by the way. I don't mean that as in he doesn't care about hockey. Yeah. He just, I don't think he wants to, he knows who he's going to be now, is what I'm trying to say. He's still 28 years old. He's not, he's not going to be a frontline center and be the dominant player he was at the U of M in those early days in Florida. But if he can be a a bottom six guy who can be a center or a wing, block a ton of shots, throw his weight around. He's a big cat. He's six foot six, two two hundred plus pounds. Man, can't, can't fight, but he's big. Yeah, yeah, he's but he's a big guy. And, and if and if I'm I'm okay with someone signing a one year nine hundred thousand dollar contract. Like, it, do we think that? But I mean, what what do? Is it the thought process that they should have got him for cheaper, or the thought process that they should have waited the market out to get somebody that you think's better? The, because I mean, yeah. The Nick Bukesteads are the Nick Bukesteads. The latter. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you're going to find one where he scores 25 right. goals. I just, I, I don't, I don't get too upset with finding bottom five, uh, bottom six forwards that are making chump change and they know who they are. That's why we like Ryan Hartman so much. No, Ryan Hartman played elevated minutes because of because of yeah, necessity. Yeah, but he knows who he is. But he knows who he is. Yep. And and you never know. I mean, you could see a you could make a case that but maybe Nick Bukestead's on the Ryan Hartman trajectory, a former first round pick who probably wasn't going to be as good as he thought he was, but could have a role in this league for a long time. Ryan Hartman. The difference there is Ryan Hartman wants it more. Bukestead. I agree. Going back to Bukestead's time with the Gophers, even to go back that far, because I covered him in quite a few games back then. He always looked the part like you thought, oh, my God, this guy's going to dominate. Yeah. And he could at times in college, but there were a lot of times he didn't. 
And I I think he's just wired as who he is, which isn't – he's a talented dude, but I also don't think he has the um, the cliche, old cliche, the killer instinct. Yes. And yeah. Hartman probably does because if he didn't, he's not in the league. Bukestad probably gets by on a little bit of talent, but he does have to work, and that's a consistency problem there. Uh, I, I think the two biggest problems that Bukestad developed – as his uh, career, uh, as he um, spent more time as a pro, the two problems he developed were his desire at times and injury. But I'm with you, Dex. One year, 900000 <laughs> It's fine. absolutely fine. And, yeah. I mean, if, if if he makes it, he makes it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But it was just I saw the pushback I on that, and I'm like, do people really think that you're just going to go out and uh, Nick Bukestad, we're going to replace him with yeah. whom? Hey, kids, how's the water? It's full of weeds. I can't move my legs. Uh, your arms are free, right? Yeah. yeah. Wave them around. It's fun. you kidding me? This can't be happening. This is Jamie from the Aquaside Company. Clear your water completely. Destroy weeds, algae, and the muck that's preventing you from enjoying your water from property. We know your time in the water is precious. We're the Aquaside Company. Call 800-328-9350 or visit Aquaside.com. State permit may be required. Yeah, he, he was throwing more hits around. He was starting in the defensive zone a ton more. Like, like I said, I, I think he has a nice role as a bottom six guy. And and, yeah. and if you're and you're not overpaying for that, I understand if you're giving four to five year deals for bottom six, I hey, then let's have a conversation of, of wasting money. But that's not the case with Nick Bukestead. Cat Friendly, by the way, has the wild right now with um fifteen million nine uh, or $15.9 million in cap space, which brings us to our final topic. Uh, how do you feel <laughs> about what are, uh, it almost certainly appears now going to be prolonged negotiations with Kirill Kaprizov, who, to be clear, the Wild has offered a max eight-year contract to, and and he is... So he is a restricted free agent with no rights, basically, to explain yeah. it in the simplest terms. It's really weird. He can't go to arbitration. It's not called an RFA, but he doesn't have a contract for next year, but he can't go to arbitration. He can't sign an offer sheet. And the only thing that he can do as far as remaining in the National Hockey League is to come back to the Wild. The Wild offered him an eight-year contract. They obviously would like to lock him up as long-term as possible. Sounds like he would love a three-year contract because that would walk him right into free agency, which Bill Guerin's no dummy. He doesn't want to do. As far as your friend Kevin Fiala goes, he's also an RFA, and it sounds like negotiations have begun with him. I want to run a thought that I have about Fiala past you in a second, but what is your what's your level of concern, if there is one, about the, the Kaprizov thing? Uh, I think the last time that we talked about this, when Kevin Weeks had just put out his tweet, which, by the way, Garen has tried to shoot down about, oh, my God, he's back in Moscow and he might sign there. Garen has said dialogue has not been cut off. We are still talking. And at that time, you were not too concerned. Is there a point at which you're going to be more concerned? Uh what did I tell you like a month ago or, or three weeks ago when when the, when the, when the Kevin Weeks Defcon, news came down? Defcon, you gave me like a— Well, a one out of ten. I think I said I'm I'm at like a three or a four. I think that's probably moved okay. up to five. I think it's moved up to five out of ten. Okay. Um, I think the cost, the panic meter, has definitely not shifted. Has stayed the same or, or gone uh, less. I, I think it's it's definitely panicking more. Um, I get it. Kirill dominated the league, and he's probably too got an agent who is saying, "Man, you're still. I know you came into the NHL quote unquote late, but 
Look at what you did. This team has never had someone like this before. You should be asking for the moon. And if you're not going to get the moon, well, let's go short term, walk you up to when you're 27, 28, and then you can cash out. And I understand, you know, that's that's the politics. That's that's kind of what it is. You're not going to get Kirill Kaprizov to sign a team-friendly deal. Mm-hmm. And, and he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. He absolutely should not. Um, I, I, I would guess, I'm hoping it's at least four years. If it's anything less than four years, I'd be shocked. Um, but yeah, three I, years is three years oh, is an awful sign. I, I just I, I, I would hope would five goes. years. Well, I want like five. I get you're not going to get eight. Yeah, you're four, not going to get five, the eight. four or five to me is where the team is probably going to try and draw a line to not ha- have him become a ranger in four years. You're not. Yeah, you're not going to get him to eight. If yeah, you can get him at five, great. And and this is what I think we first talked about. If if you don't win a cup, if you don't contend for a cup in the next five years or under the length of that Kaprizov contract, well, the, again, window. Like, the window right now is open for you to possibly right. make a run. Right. You can't assume, I would love to assume, I would love to hope for the next 10 years, the Wild aren't just making playoffs, which they've done the previous 10 years, but are making runs at Stanley Cup Cups. I, I hope that's the case, but I, I can't assume... Really over a two, three-year window. Look at the Minnesota Twins right now. It's it's a complete disaster after them being the best team in baseball two years ago to them falling off a cliff. You you can't assume that in sports. So I, I think if you can get them four years and look, I would yeah, I would I would pay them nine million nine to ten million dollars. I really would. I, I, I would pay them up the wazoo. Um and, and that's I think what I would they're do. coming in at eight something right now, if I'm not mistaken, from reports. Yeah. I, so I can see it being eight too. The problem is this. If he gets his way and gets three years, the immediate pressure on you to win a cup is enormous. Because if he gets three years, now it's go time immediately. Mm -hmm. If he gets five years, I could see saying, okay, we certainly should be very competitive in Mm 2021-22, and then really hit the gas uh, floor it in 2022-23, but if it's three years, man, it is go time immediately, and, yeah. that's, and that's the problem. So hopefully it ends up at four or five years. I don't think he's going back to Moscow. No, I really, no, I really no, don't, no. Un- no. unless unless there's behind-the-scenes stuff we don't know, because we know nothing about this kid, like yeah. nothing. Um, but I would just say playing-wise, that's not going to be the goal. I- I don't mean the to bring, a, not bring a question on to you, but I, I wonder if, too, mm-hmm. what's more likely? The Wild, which, which happens first, I should say, not more likely, which happens first? Mm-hmm. The Wild find the center and then ink Kaprizov, or the Wild ink Kaprizov and find the center? Because if I'm, if, I, if I'm the Wild side, I might be heightening my focus to find the center to say, hey, you're not going to play with Ryan Hartman this year. Here's your center. Here's the guy for you to play with. Now let's get your contract figured out. Because... If if I'm Kaprizov, again, I was playing with Ryan Hartman and I was making him look 10 times better than he ever was. That should be the ploy. If I'm Bill Guerin, I'm trying to tighten my center and find that immediately. I know the number one task is getting these two signed. Internally, that should be, that's one That's one and two. Yep. But you honestly should focus on finding the center first because it's probably going to help the Kaprizov negotiations. And we just, you just ran me right into the Fiala talker that I want to talk to you about. And this is just, it's reckless speculation. It's a sneaky suspicion, okay? Okay. So, like, I have nothing to back this up. But you just hit on, because, look, Kaprizov's going to come down to term and cash, ultimately. Like, if you give him what he wants, he's signing it. Yep. Um, But that being said, I have a sneaky suspicion, the more I think about this, that Kevin Fiala 
is going to be that there's more evidence to me as far as the momentum here that Kevin Fiala is going to be the centerpiece of a trade for the position you just talked about, a center by the wild in the coming weeks to fill what you're talking about. Reckless speculation. Which is a Kaprizov line mate. Yep. Um, and, and I know we've talked about this, and I know that you, Declan, have sort of come to accept that this I'm, might happen. Yeah. But the more the more thought I give this, doesn't it make sense that if you're going to make this trade right now and to what you're saying, like let's say, let's say Kaprizov, it's about term first, money, or no, it's about money first, term second. Like let's say that there's a list of Capri, oh, Kaprizov himself, wish list. Yep. Center's on there somewhere. Yeah. Like it's not not on there. Yep. And the only way you're going to get the guy that you're talking about is to trade Fiala. So here, here's the thing. Here's the conundrum, the wild face. I love that word. And it is a good one. And I think also fans need to recognize this. Here's the assets you have at your disposal to get the center via trade. All right, so we have three first-round picks over the next two drafts. I'm going to use the next two drafts. Three first-round picks. Yep. Matthew Boldy, Marco Rossi, yep. Matt Dumba, Kevin Fiala. Seven things. I just listed seven things. Mm-hmm. The thing that will get you the the thing that's the least obtainable giving you I think the number one center is unfortunately Matt Dumba. I just don't think anyone's going to flip a defenseman no. for a number one center and Matt Dumba's value is not as uh as high as we think it is. If if that's the if it's the opposite of what I'm saying and the Wild are able mm-hmm. to do that, great. No. I just don't think that's the most that, uh, the most likely path. He's a sweetener part of the package maybe, mm-hmm. but he ain't uh, he ain't centerpiece. So that leaves you with the following options to get the center via trade. Fiala, Rossi, Boldy, Multiple first-round draft picks. You're going to alienate and piss off a fan base and possibly some of the people in your organization for mortgaging assets. You can't fleece a trade by just making it pulling a rabbit out of a hat in NHL 2021 with no trade limit on. You have to figure out what are the assets we have, and you have to give up significant assets to get the thing you're looking for. You can't fleece teams. So no matter what, there's going to be a portion of this fan base is that it's going to be upset or at least irked initially by the trade whenever that center comes in. Mm-hmm. Because Fiala is the established player. Rossi and Boldy are hot shot prospects, and I think they have good futures, but you don't know. You have three first-round picks over the next two drafts, so those are pretty damn good lottery tickets, even if they're in the 20s. Mm-hmm. You're going to irk some fans with no matter how you spin this trade because those are the only ways you get the center you're looking for. You're a thousand percent you right. You don't ever say that to me a lot either. You're a thousand percent right. And here's why I think Fiala gets traded. Matthew Boldy is prepared to step into your lineup at the wing this season. Matthew Boldy is under your control for quite some time. Kevin Fiala is an RFA headed towards UFA. And let's say he does a bridge contract. He's going to have to get paid big himself mm-hmm. because he's, he puts up enough goals and points and is talented en- enough to go for a very substantial contract. Meanwhile, you're in a salary cap league. Kaprizov, who you have every intention of keeping for a long time, is going to break the bank, and well, he should. If you trade Boldy, you're trading away a controllable asset who you think is a productive player. If you trade Fiala, and let's say at least one of those first-round picks, and now let's say you put Dumba in as a sweetener, just something like that. 
Okay. Cause, and by the way, I'm out on Eichel. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so. I think he might go to the Kings. I think he might go. There, there are teams that will probably make a trade for him, but they still haven't decided on surgery yet. Um, there's too many variables there that if you're wrong, it's a catastrophe. Like it's a franchise killing catastrophe. So because the price for him is going to be at least the asking price will be enormous. So let's say you do a trade for a productive center. Let's say it's it's the kid from Buffalo Reinhardt Reinhard, who plays some wing, can play wing and center, but he certainly can play center. But let's say it's from that list, okay? Fiala's a really good return there. Like yeah. that's a yeah. really nice return. We're not talking about the the only the only trade where you're like, well, you need Fiala and Boldy and a first round pick might be might be a guy uh like Eichel. But since I'm out on that, you know, Fiala for Reinhardt or Fiala for a center, a really good one. I think it's possible if you include one more sweetener. That's why I think from a financial standpoint, the Fiala portion of the trade actually makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I don't want to Because are you really going to let both those guys like, break the bank? Because if you're, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot going out in a salary cap league where, to your point, it's going to be flat for a few years. Fiala's in an interesting position too. Two years ago, his contract negotiations went right up to training camp. Then he had a visa issue, so organization-wise, they were kind of irked by him. He's now changed his ownership, uh, his agency, so he's yeah. now got a new owner. He's coming off basically a 100-game sample size of pretty damn productive plays saying, I'm, with I'm, you. I'm here. Like I'm not, my, yes. I, I, I want my money, and, and yes. he deserves his money. I think his dynamic, I don't want to lose it. Um, I like to say I'm the warden of the Kevin Fiala fan club because I think there's still misperceptions of him out there, but in general, he's a damn good player, and you need him on your team. That's my conundrum. I face is well. Then all right, if I don't want to lose Fiala, then I'm going to give up Boldy or I'm going to give up Rossi. And the fan, like the the fantasy in people's heads of like, well, I can't because his future is projected. I know what Kevin Fiala is. Odds are Boldy and Rossi, both of them won't develop into the NHL superstars you think they are. One of them might, mm-hmm. and there's a chance both of them can develop into NHL caliber players for sure. But the odds of both of them being NHL superstar, all star perennial award-winning players are low. Yeah. And I, th- I think people don't understand that because they see them as the projections and, and, and they were great in college or they, they have great pedigrees. That's all true. That's what made them top picks. But the odds are of them turning in to Kirill Kaprizov are slim to none. Right. Kevin Fiala might be the actual most competent ceiling for one of those two players. And Kevin Fiala is a good player and I like him. But the odds of both them turning into... Kevin Fiala are still low, mm-hmm. so that that's where I, I'm, I'm at a crossroads. But if you can get a center who can center Kaprizov and now bring out the best in Kaprizov, so that that's yeah. a good replacement for Fiala in the sense that you're getting a very productive player. And and again, it it also comes down to the cap. It also comes down to a salary structure where if Fiala and Kaprizov break the bank, now you're now that's two guys basically m- making a ton of your salary cap. And Boldy and and Rossi, if they develop at all into good players, are under your control for quite some time. That that's what I'm saying is I think there's a financial discussion here that probably has to be had about how much you're gonna pay these guys because you know what? Fair or not, Fiala's gonna look at what Kaprizov gets yeah. and say, Hey guys, look at my stats. Yeah. And, and by the way, I've been in the league 
longer. Yes. And he's damn talented. Yes. So, like, I don't think we can dismiss the Fiala ask here. I don't blame you, man. This so, is, this so is that's why. And, and look, there might be a way to make a trade for a center who you like where it's even up or they might send you a sweetener. So I'm not saying I've got the answer, but I just think this assumption that you're going to sign Kaprizov and Fiala and it's all going to be fine might be a little bit of a reach. And Kaprizov, you, no doubt, is has to be your focus. Yep. So. Wow. That was a lot. We did. We did. We went that in That was there. a lot. I want to, next time we talk, I, I want to talk about the expectations that are going to mm-hmm. focus on Boldy starting next season. Yeah. Because you know who is going to be a special player? Or heck, he's not going to be. He is one. Cole Caulfield. Oh, yeah. He's already damn good. Cole Caulfield is a midget. He's a small man. And he made a, he made an impact in the playoffs. Yeah. He's awesome. Which is a place where like Goudreau has yeah. disappeared. Yeah. He's an awesome player. So that's pretty impressive. Well, I will say we'll probably tease and we'll be all over it. The expansion draft's 13 days away as we're recording this 21st. right now on July 8th. So it's July 21st. I'm sure you and I will be all over that. Uh, we'll probably do one, maybe one more protected list in our exposed players and whatnot. And I'm sure we'll get into that maybe next week. Yep. And then we'll obviously react to the news. So even though it's the offseason, yeah, like you said, Just the Stanley Cup ended. This is now Judd's Hockey Show. We're, we're at the, this is the entree, we're at the, excuse me, the appetizers yep. of our offseason. Training camp's here. right we, around uh, the corner, baby. We're going we're to be right talking puck again here. So, All absolutely. Right. Say your thing. Pass, shoot, score. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.